content to feel way easier, duh, right? Who wouldn't? Well, you have to start by getting super clear on your messaging, which can be intimidating. But don't worry, Dr. Michelle Major is here today to help you start thinking about how you can totally nail it down. Welcome to Big Fun Content, the show that helps you stand out from everyone else in your industry by building a brand you love and creating content that's impossible to ignore. I'm your host, Deanna Seymour, a graphic designer who creates high energy visuals and short form videos for some of the sassiest, boldest, most rebellious online businesses out there. Are you ready to up the fun in your content? Let's get started. Hey, Michelle, how's it going? Hey, Deanna, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me today. Yes, I am so excited to dive in to the topic of messaging because even I, like I love creating content, but I will tell you, it's hard. It's hard. I feel like, tell me if this is messaging. We can go into like what you think is messaging. Okay. But I feel like it's a messaging problem if you're in a Zoom room and you're like networking or something, they say, oh, we're all just going to go around and say who we are and what we do. And your armpits start sweating and you're like, oh my gosh. And then they get to you and you're like, I don't... Like I make graphics, I can make videos too. That's my worst nightmare. That's like a messaging problem, right? Yes, that is definitely (laughs) a symptom of a bigger messaging problem. 100%. Yes. Okay. Okay. So tell us in your own words, what is messaging or how do you define it or all that stuff? Yeah. So I'm going to start with like the misconceptions that we see about what messaging is because Depending on who you're following, you'll hear, oh, well, messaging is an elevator pitch, or it's just one sentence that describes your business, or it's a content plan. And I'm like, yeah, it Mm -hmm. is all of those things, but messaging is literally everything your business says. Every single thing when you're communicating on social or in a podcast interview, or you're writing an email to your list, you're on a sales conversation. That is all messaging. And really, the goal of your message, especially in marketing, is to lead people into your sales process. Every piece of content you put out there, like everything you say on a podcast interview or on a stage or at a networking event, should be taking people one step closer to making a decision about working with you or not. And so it is, it's a strategic part of business. And I often say messaging feels a little bit like electricity. We don't see it, but we know there's a problem. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's the basis of everything. I feel like if you don't know what you're going to (laughs) say, how are you going to say it? Yeah. Well, especially it's like, I feel like your foundation for your business is your business model, right? So it's your offer. And what I see business owners do so often is they're like, great, I have this offer. It works. It gets great results. Now I need to tell more people about it. So I need marketing, but then they don't know what to say in their marketing. They don't have anything to amplify. They don't know how to talk about what it is they do in a way that actually gets people who don't know them, gets their attention. And then once you have their attention, like, what do you do with it? Like, you have to be able to engage and nurture and really build a case for your work before you can start talking about the solution you offer. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it's so hard? Why do you think people struggle with this? Because I think a lot of us 
struggle with it. Like, it's still hard for me. And I feel like I'm getting more and more clear. But why do you think it's so hard? It seems so easy to be like, tell people what you do. And then everybody's like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I think part of it is the old saying is like, you can't see the label from inside the jar. And each of us is inside the jar of our own expertise. And you can't create messaging in a vacuum because it's one of those things, especially like I work with a lot of experts, a lot of established business owners, they're super smart. And it feels like something that you should be able to do on your own. I hear that all the time. I do this for other people. Why can't I do this for myself? And it's like, because you can't see yourself clearly to create the message. And it's really hard to understand what other people see as important because as experts, we kind of like get into the minutia of it. What we're interested in isn't what our audience is interested in. And I'm always telling my clients, I'm like, people want to benefit from your expertise, not be an expert. So I think for all of those reasons, like you can't see yourself clearly, we tend to overcomplicate it and want to prove how expert we are. It's funny, the thing that you just said made me think, I talk a lot about content being like, it doesn't always, serving your audience doesn't always have to be teaching your audience. Mm -hmm. So do you think maybe sometimes people get a little confused with that too? Like you were just saying, you can be the expert. You don't have to also make them an expert. Do you yeah. think maybe sometimes people get confused because you're like, oh, I'm a graphic designer. I should always talk about my content, how to make your designs better. And then I'm like, wait, that's not what I'm selling. Unless I'm selling a design course, that doesn't make any sense. You know? Yes. Yeah. And it's so interesting because this is a difference, right? Like, the what versus the how. And I see a lot of business owners getting trapped into this like how-to concept. And when I teach the minimum viable marketing message in the Expert Up Club, like one of the things I have them do is figure out what do people need to believe before they enter into your sales process? Because there is a core belief shift they need to have in order to get in with you, in order for them to want to hire you. And that's where we're driving all of your messaging to. And that's not really how-to content. That is more like what content, belief shifting content, dispelling misconceptions content, and not just, oh, I'm going to teach people how to do better designs, or I'm going to mm -hmm. teach people how to create their message, or how to do Instagram marketing. I mean, that's helpful, but it's not going to actually drive sales. It might be helpful in building your audience, sprinkling some of that in because it's more general content, so that can help you grow, but it's not going to drive people to work with you. Yeah. Okay. So that's obviously a job of your messaging, mm -hmm. moving people towards, I love how you said making a decision so that they can yeah. choose, maybe they choose like, oh, this isn't for me, but like getting them closer to that. I mean, obviously it would be nice if everybody was like, oh my God, I love you. I want to work with you. But <laughs> I just love how you put that, that you weren't driving them to the sales. It's just like giving them the information. So what are the jobs of messaging? Yeah, so there's three jobs of messaging, and what's lovely is they correlate with the three jobs of marketing. <laughs> so the first job of marketing and messaging is to grow your audience, which means we need messaging that is going to grab people's attention and meet them where they are. 
right? Because these people don't know you yet. They might know that they have a problem, but they might think that that problem has a different solution than it really does, right? So we really need to reach people where they are and have them feel like, oh, this person, she's talking to me. Oh, she's talking to me. Awesome. So then that brings us to the second job of messaging, which is engaging, right? Nurturing people and leading them to it's like saying, oh yeah, I think I do have this problem that you solve. And then showcasing what your unique solution is, not what your offer is. Your offer is different than your solution. Okay. <laughs> and then that brings you to the third job, which is making offers, right? So how do you talk about your offer in a, in your marketing in a compelling way that gets the right people to still pay attention and then want to take the next step? So we talk about things like frameworks, your why buy statement, reason to believe stories as a part of that type of messaging. Okay. So you just said, just to play a little bit, I guess, devil's advocate, since the solution is not your offer. Mm -hmm. But like eventually it's your offer. You're just not trying to talk about it right away. Yeah. So like your solution is your philosophy around it. Like what makes you different? So for instance, for a long time, like I have a book called The Three Word Rebellion. That is one of my messaging solutions. But I can talk about what The Three Word Rebellion is and how to think about creating it and why do you need A Three Word Rebellion, which is not at all talking about the offer itself. Okay. So they're very closely related because like when you start talking about the offer, you start going in like, oh, well, here's my framework and here's my process and these are the benefits and here are the results that are typical versus the results that are possible. And here's some case studies and reason to believe stories. So it's more of that the offer phase is more of that selling function that like, hey, call to action there is get on a call with me, push the buy button. Whereas when you're in talking about your solution, it's more from that higher philosophical level. Okay. I like that. Okay. Because I was like, is it secretly the offer? Is it not the offer? It's seeding the <laughs> offer, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. This is also good so far. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about how we can create messages that help us stand out in like crowded, noisy markets. Mm -hmm. The doors to the Content Playhouse will be officially opening on October 1st through the 5th. It's a content-driven community that will support you in making content that you freaking love. It includes two meetings a month, one for co-working and one for community support, Voxer access to me Monday through Thursday, a Slack community, weekly design reviews, and over a dozen past workshops that you'll get access to immediately when you join. It's a space to really embrace the idea of slowing down and creating content that you're super proud of. You'll finally feel like you can stop doing all the things and just do the things you love and do them well while getting to hang out with other awesome business owners. Head over to contentplayhouse.com to learn more and join in on the fun. All right, Michelle, let's get into how we can craft messages that like stand out and aren't yeah. the same as everybody else. I'm assuming a framework, a good framework that's unique to yourself, but I'm just guessing. Why am I guessing? I'm going to let you say what your thing is. <laughs> 
Yeah. So I feel like good messaging starts with the people you want to be serving in your business. That's where all fantastic messaging comes. And I'm going to give you the most unsexy solution ever for how to figure this out. It's doing voice of customer research. Like we have to be talking to the people we serve and analyzing what they say and then using what they say in our marketing, in our copy. Because only like when you do a survey or client interviews, it's going to blow your mind about what you find out. Like for instance, forever, I thought like, oh, my people have imposter complex, right? That is the issue that they deal with that keeps them from owning their expertise. And I realized when I did client research, I was like, oh no, my people are just perfectionists. <laughs> they hold themselves to this incredibly high bar and it keeps them from putting out their work because it's like, oh, but it's so nuanced and so complex. And I'm like, yes. And the internet is where nuance goes to die, my friend. <laughs> so we have to simplify it so that people understand. And I realize that it's a lot more detailed and nuanced than that. But that's that little bit of perfectionism that they have that hinders them from getting their message out there. So for me, it's that voice of customer research that is the foundation, because then from there, you can build out micro stories about how they're experiencing their before picture, their struggles, their misconceptions. You can build out a client empathy map that tells you like, who they are, what they're doing, what they're feeling, what they're saying, what they've tried before. And then you know how to start talking about the problem they have. Because when we move into the second phase of that engagement, it's like, this is going to sound weird. We oversimplify the problems our clients are having, right? Problems are really rich and they usually have multiple solutions. So how can you help people diagnose the right problem that they're having so that they can have the right solution? Because let's say you help with sales, like, okay, so their sales is bad. But what does that actually look like? Are they having problems generating leads? Do they suck on the sales conversation? You know, or maybe Maybe they're great on the sales conversation, but they can't close. Like there's so much nuance around the problem. So figuring out like, oh, do you actually have the problem I solve? Right? Because sometimes people come to me and they're like, I have a messaging problem. And I'm looking at it. And I'm like, actually, you haven't developed this concept enough to message it. <laughs> You have to know what it is and have the thought leadership around it before we can actually message it to the masses. So being able to get in there and help people diagnose things is so key and we don't spend enough time on it. Yeah. Okay. Well, then how would someone listening start doing voice of customer research? Yeah. The easiest way to do it is... I love client interviews. Like it's one of the things that I have people in the expert up club start with because you talk to the people you love, 
right? Like mm-hmm. the clients that you love the most because you don't want to talk to the pain in the ass clients because yeah, you don't want any more of them. those. Yeah. No, no. So you find like the three to five clients you want to talk to and then you dive in with them and record the interview. It's very important to record it and talk to them about what was their experience before they worked with you? How did they know they had to hire you? Um, what were their breakthroughs during? And like you have some insight into that, but then also getting their after and seeing like, okay, what has changed for you since we did this work? I think one of the powerful things about that, because the internet, ugh, the internet has us believe that everything is like a quick win and super fast, like make six figures in three months and it's totally possible. And really most of the work that people do, like it's long-term. So Mm -hmm. following up with someone three months or six months after you worked with them to see like, where are they now is Mm -hmm. so powerful because then it shows you the impact of the work you did over time. And then you can message to that. I always talk about results that are typical versus results that are possible, right? So typical results are usually the ones that happen pretty quickly. They're not terribly sexy. Like I say things like you'll be, you know, it's like clarity, confidence, people show up on sales calls ready to work with you versus what's possible. Yeah. Some of my clients land a TEDx talk or have a book deal or publish a book, but that didn't happen like two months after the work. (laughs) Yeah. 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 This is so good. So it's probably, I'm already thinking, I'm like, do you think people don't do the voice of client stuff? Cause it's a little scary to check in. Yes. Absolutely. I think there's two reasons. It's scary to check in. Well, maybe there's three. They feel like they're an inconvenience and then they don't know what to do with the data afterwards. Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, my advantage is that I was a former academic. I'm a trained researcher. I've been doing research for like 30 years. So like I get in see voice of customer research and I can analyze it really quickly and pull out insights and be like, oh, this is important. This is important. But I think it's really overwhelming when you don't have that training to go in and actually generate the insights. So I think there's all three of those play a part in why we don't do it. Yeah. But we should. (laughs) We should. Well, you know what? I was thinking while you were saying that, like, whenever they do shows that are like, let's go back and check in on the people, like trading spaces or something Uh three months later, and you kind of want to know, like, did they keep doing that? Like on transformational shows, which is essentially what we're doing with our clients. I always love the episodes when they go back and look. So if we can just treat it like that, maybe we'd be more excited to do it. Yeah, I I love it. I love it. Just, yeah, checking in and seeing. But I think we're afraid sometimes that they didn't stick with it and we don't want to know, even though that can help us figure out ways to help people stick with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like improve our own systems too Mm -hmm. if they didn't. It's just scary to like know that. Yes. And I think sometimes it's scary for the other person to be like, oh, yeah. Like I worked with a person, we did all of this great messaging for her. And then I noticed she dropped it for like a year. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And then a year later, she started using it again. And I reached out to her and I was like, what's going on? Like, yeah, (laughs) what is going on? And she was like, oh, well, I hired this other coach and he told me that I couldn't do it. Like there was no market for what I wanted to do. And so I had to do this other thing I wasn't excited about. And then she's like, and then I realized I hated it. (laughs) 
So I went back uh, to the messaging and now it's actually working. And I'm like, oh, that's so like, it's so interesting. Like, oh, she got derailed by another coach mm-hmm. and that's what was going on. And I'm like, yeah. that's a good thing for me to know. Okay. So what about this? How much of your message is like from your voice of customer research and how much of it is like inside of you? Do you think there's like a mat, Matt, how much Ooh. I'm like, give me percentages. Just kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, or, or what are other aspects of it that we should consider when trying to craft I mean, a message? I do think it's 50-50, right? Because it's like you start with them, right? If you're thinking about the circle, you do your voice of customer research and you start with your audience, but then it's you like applying your knowledge, applying your expertise to drive them to the belief that will ultimately lead them to your work. Right. Yeah. So I would say it is this 50 50 mix. Cause even when I'm teaching messaging in the club, like I'm always going back, like, ooh, yes, we're talking about your offer, but go back to your voice of the customer research and pull this into what you want to say now. Because mm-hmm. it's not, I mean, I know I've been talking about it in like a very linear, like it's bro, engage, offer but it's not linear. They all kind of overlap and mix together in this beautiful way. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would say it's 50, 50. Yeah. Okay, However, cool. I think most people approach it like 20, 80, <laughs> like 20% what their audience wants and it's doing. And then 80% of what they want to say. Yeah. Well, and the 20% might just be theoretical sometimes or based on a couple testimonials. Like yeah. I don't think yeah. Or the ideal client avatar, which is Ugh. just terrible. That's not a real person. You can't market to fake people. And everyone teaches it like, oh, well, just know that you're talking to Susie, who's 47 years old and her kids left the house and she likes watching the real housewives. It's like, that is not a person. Uh-uh. No. No. And the more I've been in business, now it's nice to be able to, like you were saying, think of those clients and be like, I want more of you. Like when you work with someone and you have so much fun and you love them, I'm like, okay, now you are my ideal client. And that's why we should interview them. Oh my gosh, Michelle, this has been like so full of information. I'm so excited and also very inspired to reach out to some past clients. So everybody look out. I'm coming for you. (laughs) We're going to hang out. But also, When you first said it, I was thinking, oh, no one's going to want to do that. That sounds like a pain. But also, who doesn't want to hang out with me for a minute? Well, and it's really funny because I have been very reluctant to talk about voice of the customer because I know people don't want to do it. And so when I built the Expert Up Club, I was like, finally, like I can sell this bigger thing and then work in the thing that I know they need to do Mm -hmm. to make the rest of it work. So I was able to just like slip it in because I've always been like, oh, I should teach like a voice of the customer workshop. And I'm like, no one's going to buy it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I'm diving back in. Is this sort of like, not in a sleazy way, but some of your messaging is like, there's a saying that I'm going to totally botch, but it's like, sell them what they want, but give them what they need. Like it does seem like, and not in a weird way, but just in a way that when we're too close to our expertise and we're talking about all this stuff that they don't even understand, like we need to figure out how to tell them in a way that they're like, oh yeah, that's the thing I need. Even like not as a trick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I tend to, I talk about marketing a lot and the thing that makes your marketing like 
10 times easier to do and two times more effective is the messaging piece, right? And then people are like, oh, so if I want the marketing to actually work, I need the message. And then they really don't care that much about how they have to get the message. So I will tell people about the how and about, yeah, yeah, we're going to do voice of the customer research. I'm going to help you analyze it. You're going to pull out insights. It's going to be the basis to everything. And it's going to change how you do marketing and copy. But I don't really need to talk about all of that in the marketing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing is that you don't have to say everything in the beginning. When they work with you, you can go into the detail and do all the things. And yeah. if they want to know the detail, if that's their personality or whatever. Yeah. I like yeah. that too. Like holding back. Like they don't have to know everything. It's what you said before. It's like going back to the beginning. What do they need to know to make that decision? Not yeah. to write an essay about you and your business and every single thing that yeah. you and do they don't, in your business. And they don't want to be the expert in how to do messaging or how to do voice of the customer research. That's why they come to me. <laughs> Because mm -hmm. I can help them with those things. Yeah. So I think that's the big difference. It's like, yeah, I know you feel compelled to talk about it, but there are just some things that I know are not going to be marketable. Yeah. <laughs> and saying like, oh, I'm going to make you talk to your clients is one of those things. Although yeah, they all love like, it when they do it. <laughs> yes. Okay. So let me just recap for a second and you tell me if this is true or false. Okay. It's really hard, or not really hard, like people hire you for help. But the mm -hmm. reason we all struggle in those Zoom meetings is because it is pretty hard to get out of your own way and simplify and figure out a concise, simpler way to say what you do. Mm -hmm. But once you do it, it's going to make everything else that you do in your marketing that much better. Yeah. And you're going to spend less time like and it's going to get you better results. Because one of the things about you and I, like we're both juggling client delivery, which we love and probably want to do more of, and the marketing and sales piece. And that's a lot. Like it is a lot to do. So if you're floundering in your marketing, it's so easy to be like, oh, I'm not going to do that anymore. It's just not working. And because you don't have that messaging piece, but once you get it, it's like, oh, well, I need to write a post for LinkedIn. That becomes easier because I know what I want to say and I know, and I have options to talk about. Yeah. And you know the point of it. You know yeah. where it's going. When people are just making content just to make content and it has no real purpose like where it's going yeah no purpose it's like yeah. okay so okay okay cool so it might be a little hard to get done a little scary at first but totally worth it totally worth it oh my gosh thank you michelle for being here this was so awesome you are amazing and i'm super excited about all this i'm gonna go hit up my clients all right <laughs> michelle has an awesome marketing assessment that you can take over at drmichellemazur.com slash marketing it'll help you figure out where you need to focus most on your marketing she also hangs out over on LinkedIn. You can find her at Dr. Michelle Mazur. That's M-A-Z-U-R. Thanks for listening to Big Fun Content. If you like what you heard today, think about pushing that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Also, I would love it if you would leave me a review so more people could find me. Wink, wink. And last but not least, if you want to remain in my world and get some really fun emails in your inbox, head over to deannaseymour.com newsletter to join my email list. See you next time.